Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! Mr. Kamish, how are you today? Things good? Welcome. Things are great, Chris. It's always good to be with you, especially this time of year, because there's nothing more fun than our playoffs. And you'll be happy to know that I uh, put uh, the NHL playoffs right there with baseball in the NCAA tournament last week in my little list because, as you said, best of seven, you know, anything can happen, upsets rain, uh, your NHL postseason system and the way the game is played with the goalie being the great equalizer makes for a lot of fun. Let's discuss that first. Go ahead. Did you, did you list us one? Or no, I did not. I, you know, I had the NCAA tournament up there. With, oh, well, come on. <laughs> with the, well, the Russian roulette aspect of it. But I'll say this, though, Gary. Your postseason, uh, with the idea that no President's Cup winner has obviously won a Stanley Cup since the Blackhawks 10, 11 years ago, a lot to like about its postseason. Let's discuss. Go ahead. Let me hear. You know what? When you look at our competitive balance, when you look at the regular season and how the races literally went down to the wire, I think with four days to go in the regular season, we didn't know seven of the eight matchups. We didn't know three of the four division winners. Um, it really is a big deal to get through the regular season because all virtually all of our games are meaningful. And then you get to our playoffs in the first round. They are completely unpredictable. Uh, Typically, our series goes six or seven games, unlike some of the other playoffs. And what you get is just two months of an incredibly exciting, entertaining experience. And, you know, there's nothing like the Stanley Cup. And I believe in addition to being the most historic trophy, it's the hardest to win. I agree with that. Uh, Is there any... uh... Uh, dismay on the fact that your President's Cup winner over 82 games has not won a Stanley Cup in 10 years? Is there a part of you that is bothered by that? Let me hear. No, not at all. I think sometimes, and maybe the Bruins will be an interesting case study because towards the end of the season they were actually affirmatively trying to set the records for the most games won and most points. Sometimes, I guess, if you're the President's Trophy winner with the best record in the regular season, Maybe you coast a little bit the last you know few weeks of the season, and you're not in playoff form, and maybe that catches up with you. Uh, it's hard to predict. I mean, I think it was four years ago, give or take, that Tampa had an incredible regular season, and then they got swept by the Blue Jackets in the first round. That's why the playoffs are great. Anything can happen. It's all compelling you know, viewing and entertainment to see exactly how this is all going to play out. So your play with the Bruins would be since they were breaking or trying to a record last 10, 12 days of the season and going all out and, you know, with the players they used to set that record, you think that could help them as far as being razor sharp in these first rounds or two? Is that your point with that, with the, with well, the Boston well, I, team? You know what? From my standpoint, I don't prognosticate, so I don't know one way or the other. I'm just speculating. We'll have to see how this plays out. But it was clear, and I think Jim Montgomery, their their new first-year coach, made a point of saying, we want to set these records. It looked to me from afar, with a fan's perspective, that he was trying to keep the players sharp. And I think it probably helped them. I, you know, is there any movement? Well, I'll ask it this way. Toronto and Tampa, back-to-back years in a seven-game series, does that bother you at all, Gary? What's your take with no. that? 
I think great rivalries are made by series in the playoffs, and, and repetitive series make for even better rivalries. All right, so in other words, then, you know, I, you know, you know I love the reseed. That is still not in your thought process, one through, not reseed, but one through eight in both conferences. That is not in the NHL's thinking right now. You like the way you have it with getting out of the division first. Yeah, you know what, I, I know there's a contrary view, and some people like you like one through eight, but what we have is working. It's working well, uh, and so I don't see any reason to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Fair. All right. Give me a little rundown on your regular season. Uh, you mentioned the competitive aspect of it. How about business-wise and everything else? Uh, you know, we don't follow it as carefully as we probably should. It seems like you had a very healthy 82-game deal with all your teams. We'll get to Arizona in a minute. Give me a little rundown on uh, how you felt the 2022-2023 season went, Gary. Thoughts with that? We had a great season, not just, as you said, on the ice, but off the ice uh, in terms of our relationships with Disney, ESPN, ABC, ESPN Plus, and Turner with TNT. Uh, ratings were strong. Attendance was strong. Business partnerships were strong. You know, activation of technology, whether it was uh, puck and player tracking or the digitally enhanced dashboards uh, or the fact that we did in animated game in real time with big city greens uh we had we had a great engaging season and the feedback and the metrics have all been good all right so you're happy with that from a regular and, season and by the way revenues will be an all-time record for us this year uh, we're approaching six billion dollars so by any metric we had a terrific season and hopefully uh, these playoffs will be the icing on the cake did you are you back to pre-pandemic terms from an economic standpoint as a league, or you're still trying to make up for that season and a half? How about that? No, no, we've exceeded. Uh, we're back better than we were when we left. Uh, we, you know, listen for everybody, not just hockey, not just sports. The pandemic was horrific, uh, but this season uh, was as good, if not better, than any season we've ever had. Uh, things are absolutely back to normal and even better. They are. Uh, I think all leagues should be, especially the winter sports, you and the NBA, uh, and then baseball had to deal with it too, and they did a great job. Uh, I'm sure you take a, you don't want to hear it, but you guys did a great job at that bubble. Everything in Canada, everybody showed up. You had a cup winner. You got to be pretty pleased about how, since it happened so late in the regular year, how you were able to determine a cup champion, albeit late. You got a, t a title there a couple of years ago. How about that for well, a sec? Well, in 1920, when, when we all paused and had to stop and, and the world came to a standstill, we then over the summer set up the bubbles to finish the regular season in the playoffs. And, and our players were great to, to endure, you know, some of them two months in the bubble. The next season was delayed and abbreviated. And if you remember, uh, for 2021, you couldn't cross the border into Canada. So we had a real line and created Canadian division and, and real line in the United States. And we got through that okay. And But as, as we just discussed, not only are we back to normal, you know, our revenues will set a record this year. So we're, we're in, in very strong shape. Our franchises have never been healthier or stronger. And so, you know, it's, it's good to have a playoffs without any distractions.
Uh, indeed. You got a new Labour, uh, I don't want to call him an opponent. How about compatriot in Marty Walsh there? How long does it get a chance? To, how long does it take you to get a feel of him? Let me hear your thoughts with that. Go ahead. Uh, Mar- Marty is our new colleague. He's the new executive director of the Players Association. For people who don't know his background, uh, in addition to having run unions, he was the mayor of Boston, and he just up until recently when he resigned, he was the United States Secretary of Labor. Uh, really smart guy, really good guy. We've spent some time together. We were at a game together last week. Um, uh, I think uh, he's focused on what we're focused on, which is healthy, constructive collaboration and growing the game. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with him. Did you know him at all before he took this job, Garrett, based on uh, working with Biden and being the mayor of Boston? Did you have any... uh, uh... We we had interaction when he was mayor of Boston. We, I I think, we, we, among other things, dedicated a a a roller rink uh, in Boston and had done some other things. So we were not unfamiliar with each other, but we really now have a chance uh, and we're going through the process of getting to know each other better. When is the collective bargaining agreement? When's the next one going to have to be negotiated? Still got a couple of years on the old one. When's the next one start? Well, during COVID, we had extended the CBA as part of the things we were doing. I believe after this season, we have three more seasons left. Three more. So you got plenty of peace before that. Is the cap? What is the cap been? I don't. I don't. I haven't paid too much attention to it. Has the cap been tight because of the pandemic? Is it going to loosen up? Where has it been a lot of upward movement? Where's the cap right now, Gary? What can you tell me with that? Let me hear. The, the cap has basically been flat for the last three years, going up only a million dollars a year, uh, and it's been hovering in the low eighty million dollar range. Uh, That was a function of the fact that to get through the pandemic, uh, it wound up under our 50-50 system with the players that we were owed by the players about a billion and a half dollars. And we all made some adjustments so as not to totally disrupt things. And part of that was the extension of the CBA. Uh, We project, we had projected that by the end of the CBA, the escrow, the monies that were owed would be paid back. Uh, there's a chance, a slight chance, that it'll all be paid back this year, and if not this year, next year, uh, because we've come back so healthy. So the economics of the system have worked really, really well, and we've been able to deal with the issues uh, as it relates to how players were paid during COVID so that we're really just about caught up. I know baseball didn't have as much peace. Did Does an event like the pandemic, does that bring labor and owners closer together because you got to work in unison to get through a season? Does something the, like that help the relationship? Well, I, what I will tell you is that Don Fear, who was the executive director of the union, the union and the players were extraordinary in terms of their collaboration, professionalism, and cooperation, working through the myriad of issues, which is how we managed to also, in the midst of everything, extend the collective bargaining agreement. It was the, a completely cooperative effort, and, and we're grateful that everybody pitched in so that we could get through it as well as we did. Gary Bettman, of course, NHL commissioner. The playoffs started two days ago. I know Arizona played in the Arizona State or 5,000-seat arena, and it was something different. They sold it out and everything else. I know they got this vote in Tempe uh, that is going to propose a new building there. I know you've been out there, too. That vote is in May. Give me a little rundown on that. What can you tell me? Go ahead. 
the vote is a referendum for the people in Tempe. Uh, it, it, the arena has been fun. I, I was at a game there last week. <laughs> it really is an intimate, fun experience. Obviously, it can only be a temporary one because of the size. Uh, the city council of Tempe has twice approved the plans for the arena and surrounding project by a seven to zero vote. Uh, this is a privately funded project, uh, and it's using, I think it's roughly 40 acres that are downtown that have been a waste dump. Uh, actually, I think it caught fire last summer, and it's going to be remediated by the Coyotes owner, Alex Morello. So this is a complete win-win for the community because it's going to reclaim land that is completely unusable and a bit of a blight, and it's going to create a great entertainment mixed-use district with an arena uh, for the benefit of the community. I, I think I'm hopeful uh, that people in Tempe recognize what a great opportunity this is, not just for the Coyotes, but for the community as a whole. So you're optimistic it will pass when it, the vote goes to the folks in May? You're, you're optimistic, Gary? Well, I, I never want to be presumptuous. Let's say I'm hopeful. And if it doesn't pass, then what? Now, then it's tricky. Could they play back at the old arena? That's out. So what's going to happen if it somehow doesn't pass? What's the future of the franchise? We, we haven't focused on that. Our hope is that it passes and we don't have to deal with that issue at all. All right. Uh, if it does pass, would you still play at Arizona State until they build a new arena? What would yeah, you well, do in the that was really years? That's the only place that they could play. Uh, there was a dispute with the city of Glendale who said, if you're going to build a new arena, uh, we're not too happy about it. So if you want to continue to play here, you have to sign a 20-year lease, which was obvious. Uh, it doesn't work right now playing in the Phoenix Suns arena. And so this interim step at ASU uh, was what was necessary for the club to get to the point where there's the prospect of the new arena. And I know the Coyotes, and we are grateful to ASU uh, for giving them the opportunity to use their facility. So you will still play there if this gets passed while they build a new arena. I guess that's the thought. You plan on playing at Arizona State, right? That's, that's the only place to play, but actually it's it's been a fun place to play. The atmosphere has been incredible. The experience for any live professional sporting event, one of the majors in that environment is is something that people don't generally get to do. And it's been a good buzz to it. Ottawa, well, I know the, the Ottawa sales situation, We've uh, the owner passed away. What's up with the Ottawa sales situation with the Senators? What can you there's tell a, me there? There's a process ongoing uh, as we speak. Uh, and let's say there's a meaningful number of interested parties who are bidding, and they're bidding at a very meaningful level. And so I think uh, people uh, will be pleased at the end result because it'll mean that the, the only place the senators could go is downtown because they're out in the suburbs now. Uh, this team has a very bright future and is going to have very strong new ownership in the next few months. All right, and they, they will stay where they are, right? Uh, uh, your process with the Vegas, which worked, obviously got into a cup final, and now the Kraken here in their second year uh, in the postseason. The way you have stocked these expansion teams uh, turns out to be, you know, I think we're past the idea that people are annoyed by it. It's turned out well, uh, those two teams in the last couple of years. Let me hear your take with that. Go ahead. Well, and, and Seattle uh, won last night their first playoff game in, in their history. Uh, the view was, you know, and you know this as well as anybody, 
based on the player system we have, we probably have the best competitive balance in sports. And the notion was, if you're going to bring in an expansion team, why do you want a team to languish for five or ten years? So let's give them a competitive expansion draft and let them come in as a full-fledged member. And that's what we saw in Vegas, and that's what we're seeing in Seattle. And as you said, that seems to be working really well. It was a good prescription, you know, because I remember, you know, going back decades, teams would that were granted expansion rights in any sport, you give them a mediocre draft or worse, and, you know, the initial enthusiasm subsides over the, after a few years of losing, and then maybe 10 years later the team gets competitive and the enthusiasm comes back. We figured let's make them competitive from day one, and that's what's happened with both teams. And it's worked so far. You know, replay gets in the way of all these sports. You have to do replay because everybody sees the egregious call, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball. Hockey, too, deals with it. Doesn't seem like it's that difficult. It seems like it's relatively seamless. Plus, the goal means so much. We had a replay scenario last night. The goal means so much, you got to get the calls right. Are you okay with the replay system right now in the NHL, Gary? How about that? Yeah, our replay systems work very well. Our average game time is under two and a half hours, even with replay. Uh, and while our officials have the hardest job, overwhelmingly they get it right. And when there's a, a, a play where we need another set of eyes, having video replay has been great. By the way, the centralized video replay system, we were the first ones to do it. And everybody else who's done it has come to school on what we've done. They've been to Toronto with the Situation Room and looked at it. And over the years, we've refined it by adding things that we review, by adding a coach's challenge. Uh, and our system seems to work really, really well. We don't get a lot of complaints about it at all. Yeah, and obviously Toronto t- challenged a goal last night, and then as it turns out, uh, gave up another one on a five-on-three, so they got burned with it. Um, uh, are you okay? It was a little tricky to stick with it. It started at 9.50, uh, 8.50 local time, and ended it at 1 a.m. local time, 2 a.m. in the east. Are you okay with some of these long overtime games when the game itself starts late at night as the backup to the doubleheader? Minnesota-Dallas, of course, two nights ago. What you yeah, well, I, yeah I, I figured you were referring to the double overtime game one uh, Minnesota Dallas. You know, it, it's we we run two games in the East, and then we run our Western games either Central Mountain or Pacific. And if we're going to get all our games out there nationally, and you want to start them in times that are reasonable for the local fans, that is what it is. And you know, frankly, double overtime. There's probably nothing more in, exciting in hockey than our sudden death overtime. Yeah, uh, it, it is late. You'd have to agree. It's past my bedtime. I, I'm sure it's maybe not yours, but but mine. All right, reseeding. I know everybody loves the brackets. Nobody likes to reseed. You were the last uh, to go away from reseeding, and sometimes you like to give that team that had the best record a, a maybe theoretically a better advantage of playing the worst team that survives in each conference after round one, but you go brackets. Let me hear your thoughts with that. Go ahead. Our, our, our competitive balance is so good. Uh, the differences between the seeds isn't particularly great. And frankly, it gives us compelling, exciting hockey. Uh, and, you know, plenty of, plenty of tournaments uh, go with brackets. You know, the NCAA basketball tournament comes to mind. Now, we think what we have is working really well, and it gives us, it gives us a lot of uh, – 
long series. And isn't that what it's all about? The excitement of seeing two teams really square off against each other and play a long, compelling season. So right now you're happy. Right now the postseason has begun. We all know how great the postseason is. You love the TNT-ESPN combination. Right now the NHL's in good form. I guess that's where we stand, right? You feel very confident of where your league is right now. Um, we're, we're very pleased with where things are right now, and we're excited that the playoffs have begun, and we think they're going to be great. So, you know, I guess I'll, I'll echo your sentiment. Things are pretty good. Good job, Gary. Thank you. You know, I appreciate you giving me a few minutes here today. We'll check in again. Thanks for a couple minutes. Always a uh, Thanks for having me. Always good to be with you, Chris. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.